I am excited about today's talk, to be honest. Um, this has been something that really has been a challenge <laughs> to me that I got to sort of a download. Those of you that know <laughs> what downloads are like, um, just like a, a huge download of information and ideas about, um, first off, let's start with the power of positive thinking. I, hopefully it's generally accepted by most people that there is power in positive thinking. Now, I'm not saying that you have to believe that your positive thinking is going to manifest something for you, like say with the law of attraction, or that it's going to, you know, change, <laughs> radically change your circumstances by just bringing to you a better life, you know, a better job, more health, a better spouse, all that stuff. All that stuff may happen, but I just want to speak really generally and really basically that hopefully we recognize that positive thoughts, believing in yourself, positive emotions, it's going to improve your life. It's going to make your life better. So that's, I'm beginning with that agreement in place or with that presupposition in place. Uh, if you know, this isn't for you, then you can skip the video <laughs> or check out right now. And it's not for everybody because some people get really, uh, you know, triggered uh, about it's just like anything. Like I remember going to, um, let's say, marriage seminars or something. And you walk out of that marriage seminar just feeling beat up because all you do is hear about everything you should be doing that maybe you aren't doing. And that could be true of anything. It could be a leadership seminar. It could be a financial seminar. Um, and so for some people, this topic generally makes them feel beat up because they're having a difficult time, uh, you know, getting that positive mindset. And so they want to dismiss or discount the power of positive thinking. Now, actually, if that is you, then this video is for you. <laughs> Because the reason I've entitled it aggressive positive thinking is because, let's face it, um, all of us have a tendency to go down this negative path with our brains, specifically oftentimes about ourselves. And so my idea here is that you have to attack, you have to be aggressive and attack the negative thinking what Eckhart Tolle calls the pain body. You have to aggressively go after that in your life if you want to become a positive thinker or if you want to see the power of positivity happening in your life. So there's a great little book by an author named James Allen called As a Man Thinketh. Really short little book. Been around forever. I think it was first published in 1902. But uh, great little book. I'd encourage you to pick it up. I'm sure you can listen to it on YouTube um, or Audible, but you probably don't even have to pay for it. You, you know, you have an Audible subscription. You may not have to pay for it either, but you can get it for free on YouTube. I'm sure. I'm sure there's been people because the book's old enough. It's past, you know, the copyright laws, I believe. Um, but anyway, it, it, it'll encourage you. It'll build you up, but it also will bring out how eventually we do become the byproduct of how we're thinking. We become the byproduct of how we're thinking 
and feelings. So our actions, our behaviors, our patterns are the overflow or the outgrowth of the patterns that we have <laughs> in our mind and in our hearts or in our thoughts and in our feelings. <clears throat> so I'm just going to take a really quick quote from James Allen's book in the first few pages, As a Man Thinketh. And, of course, this comes from, for those of you that need a scripture because it's Palm Sunday, uh, Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And that's where the title, As a Man Thinketh, comes from. So here's the quote from the book. It says, As a being of intelligence, power, and love, and Lord of his own thoughts, man holds the key to every situation and contains within himself that transforming and regenerative agency by which he may make of himself what he wills. I'm going to read that last part. Uh, that you contain, you contain within yourself that transforming and regenerative agency by which you may make of yourself what you will. So I want you to just just think about this concept. Instead of um, trying to get to know yourself, although there's some value to that, um, instead of getting locked into a bunch of, you know, personality pigeonholes because personality tests that you took or psychological assessments that you took, I want you to think about this is a very radical concept. And by the way, at the turn of the century, uh, the power of positive thinking was a very radical idea. Nobody had ever really postulated it before quite like this. This book was one of the first ones, <clears throat> one of the first books to come out in the New Thought Movement. Probably not the first, but they were all coming around towards the latter end of the 19th century, first part of the 20th century. But it was a radical idea, and it was an idea that really caught on. It really was sort of a spiritual revival, one that, as a student of revival when I was a pastor, that I never took seriously, uh, never even knew about. And yet we're talking about a revival of new thought, a revival of positive thinking and the power of positive thinking that really transformed our society and laid the foundation for most of what's done in, in the self-help world today. So it it was a, a, a spiritual awakening, a spiritual revival in our country that was really in many ways Christian-based that literally changed the world, and we're still feeling the effects of that today. So I want you to get this idea that you can make of yourself what you will. In other words, what is it that you want to change about your life? What is it that you want to experience in your life? What what direction do you want to go? And think about building a self or making a self in that image, right? And the, the building blocks, the building material that you're going to use to do that is going to be your thinking and going to be your feeling. Positive mindset, positive thoughts, positive feelings. But here's, here's the issue. Um, <clears throat> here's the, I, I'm sorry, I, I can actually see the comments today. So, um, I just picked up one from, uh, Jeff Turner says, as a man thinketh was revolutionary. Uh, for me some years ago, I actually republished it a while back. That's awesome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing that, Jeff. I have to tell, I have to, I have to give Jeff a shout out, man. Uh, we had a great conversation Friday night and I really got edified by it. In fact, Jeff, I almost, I almost stole your revelation, buddy. I almost, 
I almost talked about going from Saul to Paul, and I might still do that. But uh, and and if I do, I'll definitely give you credit for it at least the first time. Uh, but anyway, back to this. Back to this. You can take your thoughts and and make of yourself what you will. Now, if nothing else, that in and of itself is an empowering thought because there's a lot in this world that sucks right now. There's a lot in this world that's negative. There's a lot going on that we have absolutely no control over. And I don't think it's just going to be this year. I mean, I think the suck kind of started in 2020 with the new decade. And it's just my sense intuitively, not trying to be prophetic or anything like that. But I just have a sense that this whole decade is going to be screwed up, that this whole decade is going to present us with a lot of challenges and a lot of opportunities for negativity. And if you'll remember a couple of years ago, I think it was Facebook, uh, was having to testify, uh, Meta, you know, the owners and people from Meta were testifying before Congress. Uh, and there was, you know, there, and there have been actual studies and stuff that have been done that proves that too much time on social media can, uh, alter us so that we're thinking more negatively. So I just want you to think about all the negativity that's out there. I want you to think about all the negative posts, all the negative comments, all the negativity that's in the world, all the division that's in the world, all the fear that's in the world. We're having uh, mass shootings on a daily basis in this country. I think uh, we're averaging one school shooting a day in this country. Uh, you see people losing it when road rage on the highway. You see people or videos of people losing it in restaurants and grocery stores and convenience stores. And so like no time ever before, we have to really be aggressive about being a positive thinker. So I remember one of, one of the things that I struggled with as a kid was I was really born an empath. I really was. And here's what I mean. Um, there were a lot of times that I walked away from fights or didn't get into fights. Now, I grew up, you know, where I grew up, there was a fight every day on the playground in <laughs> the time period that I was growing up, too. So, you know, this is the 70s uh, when I'm in grade school. And it's just, you know, it was just a different day and time. And so it was nothing for kids to scrap on the, on the, on the playground, throw hands, right? And I would avoid or walk away from fights, not because I was afraid of getting hurt, but because I legitimately didn't want to hurt somebody else, even somebody else that was bullying me or being mean to me. So that kind of translated into sports. One of the first sports that I played, <clears throat> excuse me, was basketball. And I remember, you know, being on the YMCA basketball team and I got introduced to this term aggressive. I don't know if I'd ever heard this word aggressive before, but I remember <clears throat> my parents telling me, Aaron, you need to be more aggressive. I'm like, what does that mean? You need to go after the ball. <laughs> you need to, you know, you need to just be aggressive. And so, you know, the next game, I went in there and, and fouled out because I was being aggressive. I was going after the ball. I just wasn't doing it legally, right? So, so, uh, <clears throat> but it, it was just hard for me to develop aggression. I had to learn to develop some aggression because that empath in me didn't want anybody to feel bad, didn't want anybody to get hurt, didn't want anybody to be a loser. And I see the same thing in my son. It's really interesting. Something that we've been talking about and working on with him. So, <clears throat> I know people probably find that hard to believe that I had a hard time. I had to develop aggression, a healthy kind of aggression as part of my character, but I did. 
And, but I want you to think about the same kind of thing because we've got negativity in our lives all the time. And if you're going to build something else, if you're going to build yourself into something else, then you cannot just allow for negativity or negative thinking. And I'm going to define what I mean by negative thinking in a few minutes because I'm not, you guys know me, I'm not trying to take away someone's humanity, but it is one thing to go through a negative situation or think negatively or have a bad day. It's another thing to have a constant boiling over, bubbling up, boiling over negative thought patterns, negative streams of thought that are constantly going through your mind. And yet a lot of people will find themselves in that position and it's easy to do. And even if you've been a positive thinker, even if you've trained yourself to be a positive thinker and you believe in the power of positive thinking, it's easy in this environment, it's easy in this culture, in this day and age to get stuck in that. And again, I want to say this is something that should be an empowering thought because there's so much going on, so much negativity with inflation and um politics, the political environment is crazy, right? And so this is something that you and I can do. This is something that is within our power to do, to control and work on, right? So being aggressive or aggressively going against negativity. Now, here's the thing about negative thinking. It actually can become an addiction. You can become addicted Literally, quite literally, addicted to negative thoughts, negative ways of thinking, and negative emotions. So let me just really quickly give you a really fast course on what happens in addiction. Let's take your classic alcoholic. Let's take your classic substance user, drug addict, whatever you want to call it. They're using a substance, and that substance is not producing the high per se by itself, what it's doing is it's triggering certain neurotransmitters in the brain, and it's the neurotransmitters that give you the high. So, for example, if somebody uses cocaine, uh, it gives them a massive release of dopamine. Being addicted to social media, you ever sit there and just scroll forever on social media and pretty soon three or four hours of your day has gone by and you've done nothing or you all you've done is watch shorts uh, or TikTok videos for, you know, an hour or two at a time. And then you find yourself, you know, first thing in the morning, picking up your phone, last thing at night, looking at it throughout the day. Pretty soon you spent six hours just checking social media, six hours of your day or whatever. Uh, that's because when you get a. Uh, one of the things they found was that when you check social media and you get a like or you get a love or you get a comment or you get a, a alert on your phone that somebody's looked at your page, every time that happens, you're getting a little micro dosage of dopamine in your brain. And you can think about dopamine as kind of the feel good uh, chemical or one of one of the primary feel good chemicals that's in your brain. And so after a while, your brain starts demanding of you these dopamine hits. So in the case of the cocaine person who's addicted to cocaine, the brain remembers that dopamine hit. Brain want, remembers, oh, if we get that white powdery stuff, I never used cocaine. I just, I just understand the dynamics of it. Uh, if we get a little bit of that white powdery stuff in our system, we're going to get a dopamine rush like we did last time. And so pretty soon that becomes like the easy way to get these hits. You, uh, normally, dopamine is kind of like your reward system or any of the feel-good 
neurotransmitters in your brain is kind of like the reward system. It's there to reward you for behaviors that are going to make your life better. So going and exercising, you get a, a you know, release, makes you feel good, you want to do it again. Spending time with someone you love or building relationships with your family. You know, think about it, sitting around playing board games, card games, talking with your kids, whatever. You're getting these dopamine hits, these dopamine rushes, and it's there to reward you for these things that are going to help you. Now, what's interesting is is that negative thinking, <clears throat> while it doesn't directly release dopamine, it does release some neurotransmitters that give us a rush or give us a high. So um, one of them that it releases is uh, norepinephrine. Norepinephrine is made from dopamine. Um, and that, that will give you a sense of arousal. It will give you a sense of focus. It also releases epinephrine. Um, epinephrine is like for people that get the adrenaline rush. So you kind of get this hit, this, this feel good, this excitement, this arousal, this focus that comes from being stressed out. And so what can happen to people is they can become addicted to drama. They can become addicted to the stress. They can become addicted to the negative thinking. And this is why people like to sit around and talk smack about people or talk negatively about the people in their office, uh, talk negatively about people in their family, sit around and gossip. Um, this is why negativity sells so well in politics. This is why negativity sells so well in news. You ever wonder about that? Like, like why can't we just create a world where, <coughs> where we're putting positive stories out there all the time because positive stories don't sell because they don't give you the same stimulation and the same rush. So there's literally chemicals. So, so here's the thing. When you're focused on negativity or you're addicted to negativity, you're literally changing your brain and you are literally cha- uh, uh, becoming dependent upon the chemical makeup that you're creating in your body by your negative thinking, right? So that's the first thing. That, and, and that's why I say we got to be aggressive because you can have this sort of addiction to negativity and this sort of addiction to negative thinking and not even realize how your brain's being hijacked by the negativity, by the stories, and all that kind of stuff. Literally, you can become addicted to negative thinking. Now, here's the other thing that happens. A lot of people, let's just face it, life can be traumatic, life can be difficult, and people are wired differently. So if you were like me, and you were more empathic, you were more just generally sensitive, don't want to get in a fight because I don't want the other person to get hurt, then it's quite possible that circumstances that would not negatively impact another person could negatively impact you. So what what I mean by this is you may have a teacher in your class that doesn't like you and says something to the effect of Aaron Tomlinson, you're the dumbest person, you're the dumbest student that's come through my classroom in 30 years. Now, somebody else may not even remember that that happened. They may just blow it off and say, well, you're the biggest jerk I've met in eight years, you know. But someone else may be wired a little bit more sensitively. That could be very devastating to that person, and that can actually be a trauma. So at the root of all this negative thinking really is some kind of pain, and generally speaking, some kind of unresolved pain. 
So people who experience early traumas can subconsciously harbor a need for revenge. This is really important. This is where I'm getting into some of that sort of downloaded stuff. It subconsciously harbor a need for revenge. So early on, life didn't go the way you wanted it to. You weren't always the first person picked on the playground for the team. School was harder than you thought it was going to be. Uh, you've got difficulty and difficult situations that are happening in your home life. Um, mom and dad are stressed out. Maybe they're stressed out over money. They're taking that. <clears throat> they're taking that out on you, let's say. <clears throat> and so, you know, that makes your life difficult at home or whatever. Point is, you're experiencing pain in your life. Now, it's very natural to want revenge. <laughs> it's actually, it's primal. It's part of our evolutionary makeup. If we didn't want revenge, if we didn't want to fight back against a threat or danger in our lives, we would have never survived as a species. We still wouldn't survive as a species if we just lay down to threats. So this is something that's primal, right? So, but when you're young, when you're little, you don't have any power. You're not big enough to maybe stand up to your father or you've been taught, you know, not to stand up to your mom because it's disrespectful. Um, the teachers have the power. The principal has the power. This whole big adult world has all the power. And you don't have anything you can do as a child. And so if you go through traumas, specifically if you go through repeated traumas, you're going to experience pain and you're not going to be able to get the payback. And that sucks and that's frustrating. But that desire for payback doesn't necessarily go away. That desire for payback or for revenge sort of becomes a pattern in your life. But again, because you're not empowered as a younger person or you don't feel empowered in whatever the context is to get that revenge, that revenge will come out in subtle and different ways. I'll talk about that more in a minute. <clears throat> Another thing I want you to think about is the coping mechanism for pain is that the mind will choose to think about the pain or we as uh, human beings will often choose to think about our pain rather than experience our pain. So a lot of people live in their heads and not in their hearts. And they can't live in their hearts because they've had their heart broken so many times. They've had so many disappointments. They've been hurt so many times that they just escape up into the intellect and into this hyperactive thought mode so that they're just thinking, 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 so they don't have to feel, 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 feel. Hope that makes some sense to you. Um. So another thing is we want our pain to matter. We want our pain to matter. We want it to have meaning. We we don't want to have to deal with this concept that maybe it just happened and there's nothing, there's no value to it. There's no um, significance to it. There's no meaning to it. Um, so therefore, we automatically attach meaning and significance to our pain. In other words, we get hurt. We want someone to notice. We want someone to validate it. We want it to matter to someone. If nothing else, it's got to matter to us. And we can't necessarily find that significance in the event itself. So we take the pain itself and make our pain 
significant. And when we make our pain significant, our pain becomes part of our story. It becomes part of our internal dialogue. It's the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves. It's the story that we start telling other people. And by telling that story, we're trying to find significance and meaning, purpose for our pain. If we can give our pain purpose, then we can deal with this pain. I can't deal with this pain. It's bad enough that I have this pain, but if it doesn't have any purpose, it doesn't have any significance, then I really can't deal with it. So I give the pain itself the significance, and that becomes incorporated into my story. And when that becomes incorporated into my story, then I become the character living inside that story. And that becomes the filter or the frame through which I interpret my reality now. So this is the, I'm, because I'm the character of the wounded one or the hurt one or the pain one or the victim or whatever the case may be, then everybody else in my life is related to from that position or from that character that I have created inside of that story. Um, so in that sense, we can develop negative thinking because we're reminding ourselves that our pain is a way of keeping alive our personal narrative or our story of me. What's happened to me, my life, we're deeply, deeply then attached to our stories of suffering. You could say we love our pain, and as a result, we're reluctant to let it go and we stop bringing it. We're reluctant to let it go, and so we keep bringing it back into the present moment. Now, here's, so you see why it becomes addictive or, or addicting and why we do this, why it's such a hard thing, why I'm saying we have to be aggressive about positive thinking. We've got to, we got to almost attack these things. We've got to go after this unresolved pain. But now here's the really interesting thing. And I took this from some, some of these notes I took from psychology today, an article that was in psychology today, but Here's what's really interesting, and I'll just read the quote. I can't remember the article. I know I'm really going to be bad at sourcing it, so don't turn me into the YouTube police. (laughs) Uh, But we mask this. We mask our addiction to negativity. And one of the ways, one of the primary ways we mask this, check this out, is by creating, is by the perception creating this perception for ourselves that a person is acting nobly and for a righteous cause. They're acting nobly and for a righteous cause. Their negativity may be propelled by a desire to challenge society and what's deemed socially acceptable. So I want you to think about this, especially people that had a hard time fitting in when they were younger or when they were little, especially people who had a hard time, had a difficult time, in school, had a difficult time with uh, just various different aspects of society. I mean, our first introduction into society really is kind of like our first day of school, right? <laughs> and so if our early school experiences were difficult for us or unpleasant for us or painful for us or things didn't go a certain way, and this could be as simple, this doesn't mean like that you were the class bully that always got shoved in the locker. This could be something as simple as, I had a crush on Betty Sue, or if you're female, you had a crush on Charles, or if you're, you know, same-sex attractions, whatever, you had a crush on somebody. So if in my case, let's say I had a crush on Betty Sue, and I'm six years old, and I go up and I give Betty Sue a valentine for Valentine's Day at the Valentine's party, and let's say she 
somehow everybody she doesn't return it. It's it, she doesn't give me a Valentine, and then let's say that a couple of people laughed at me, and so there's this un my first experience with unrequited love, right? Like where I gave love and it wasn't given back to me. <laughs> And so now my heart is broken. Any of these kinds of experiences can create in us, again, pain, and that pain can create for us a need for revenge. But we've long forgotten about Sally Sue. We've long put away or we're far removed from our early formative childhood experiences, but there's still this innate desire within us that we recognize, that we pick up on, that wants revenge, and in, and we generalize it. Against society. So we get this idea that society sucks, that society is evil, that society is against me. And so one of the ways that we attach to negative thinking and keep our pain body alive, and boy, do people do this in religion. I did this in religion. I was seeing myself in this. That's why I said I kind of got like this download last night, but I was really seeing myself in this, that I went after the religious cause because I was pissed off at society, and I had good reason to be pissed off at society, but I was pissed off at society, and so the Christian message of us against them, of in the world but not of the world, the world is evil, all the world's under the control of the wicked one, that was appealing to me because it spoke to my pain. So I'm actually under this self-righteous guise going out and attacking society is really this self-righteous guys that makes me look noble and makes me look important. And it's one of the ways that I cope with my pain body. And it sounds really positive and it sounds like positive thinking, but it's really being driven by that need for revenge that's going on inside my life. This is also why people will fall for conspiracy theories. Now, I don't want to upset anybody. Not every conspiracy theory is not true. I want to say that again for case you missed it. What I'm saying is, I'm not saying that every conspiracy theory is not true. I'm not saying that. There's double negative there. In other words, there may be some truth that there was a shooter in the grassy knoll (laughs) with JFK. Certainly, people will conspire all the time for their own benefit. But I want you to think about the psychological hook where people get sucked into conspiracy theories and they become keyboard warriors or it becomes their cause. Think about how easy this is. I've been hurt by society. I want revenge against society. So I read about this horrible group of people, this horrible cabal of people that's running everything out there. And yes, they're evil. And that's why my life is hard. And that's why I'm struggling financially. And that's why, and it just appeals to that pain body. It appeals to that negativity. And so, boom, but it gives me this guise. It gives me a way to get a sense of revenge. It gives me a way to rage against the machine, if you will, to rage against the culture and the society. But I'm doing that from an unhealed, unhealthy place. I'm doing that from a negative place. And I know people, man. I know people. It's made so much sense. I saw this in my own life. I can admit and own how I did this. But you got to remember that, I mean, I just, I just know people and I know that, that, that are pumping out conspiracy videos after conspiracy videos, uh, online with two big followings 
but I know for a fact they struggled to fit in in school. I know for a fact they were the kid being shoved in the locker in middle school and whatever. And so I was just like, oh man, this makes so much sense. We, we create this sense of significance by going after, by, by sometimes just chasing shadows. We're just shadow boxing or, you know, because we want to look noble. We want to feel noble. We want to be that righteous person, but we really haven't addressed our pain. So it's really a manifestation of trauma. This is why religious trauma is a thing, because you've got a bunch of traumatized people that end up leading churches like I did or end up leading spiritual movements or religious movements. And, you know, the saying hurt people hurt people. Well, but then you've also got a bunch of hurt people coming in the doors who need the same kind of noble cause. So you all gather together around this noble clause under this cloak of righteousness, under this cloak of spiritual language, because we don't want to feel our pain. We don't want to, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm trying to help people see what's going on in their life. I know I did this for years. I was able to cover up pain that had been in my life. And for years, that pain was spilling out in all kinds of dysfunctional ways within religion until one day, I just, uh, I, I opened up a box of belongings and it took me, it was memorabilia from a time in my life where I experienced a lot of rejection. I experienced a lot of trauma, incidentally, right before I came into the church and got radically saved. And it felt like when I opened that box, I opened uh, both a physical, literal box and I opened an inner box and a metaphorical box. And it felt like someone, like I'd had a scab over my heart and felt like somebody just came up and they ripped that scab off and my heart was bleeding and I didn't know how to make the bleeding stop. It was like all of a sudden I was aware of this pain. So the fact of the matter is that that there was nothing actually in that box that hurt me. I had been hurt in a season of my life and what was in that box reminded me of how I had been hurt in that season of my life and I got in touch with pain that I had been avoiding for two decades. I, I wasn't aware of it. I wasn't feeling it. So again, I just want to bring to light this reality that we hide from our pain. We'd rather think about our pain than feel our pain. And when we don't feel our pain, it's still there. And we're coping with it subconsciously, completely unaware that we're coping with it in this way. By one of the ways that we do this, according to this article in Psychology Today, is we we create causes where we can look like we're being noble, where we can look like we're on the side of good and the revenge that we have against our parents for treating us like crap or the revenge that we have against the school system because we hated it and it sucked and as a boy I wanted to be out in the fields playing and not stuck in some classroom somewhere being trained how to, how to, you know, read, write, arithmetic, whatever, or Sally Sue broke my heart. And I've stuffed all that pain, but I generalized it as a child and said, school is painful. The system is painful. The society is painful. And so now I'm really actively involved in this cause because this cause is giving me that sense of revenge and empowerment. But again, it's coming from the pain. I really want to drive that home. Now, uh, let's see. So, so, uh, 
Yeah, so it's not confined to one thing either. It's just it's repetitive. So my negative thinking is coming from this pain, and I'm addicted to it because of the chemicals that are being released in my body. So I have to keep going after it. This is why you, some sometimes if you have loved ones or people you know that you think they've just really gone down a dark rabbit hole, and some of this conspiracy theory stuff is really dark, man. I mean, it's really negative. I even if it's true, I don't want to look out and see a world where there's a demon under every rock, where there's I got to be suspicious of my neighbor because they think differently than I do about politics or they voted differently than I voted. Or I don't want to have to, you know, worry about the next laboratory manufactured thing. I don't want to get taken down from YouTube thing that is going to, you know, be in the air and make us sick and whatever. I mean, I just, I just don't want to do that, but it makes sense to me now why people can't move away from it. Why people are so obsessed with it because it's a way it's a dysfunctional way. It's not necessarily a healthy way. And I'm not saying everybody's doing this, but I want you to see the principle. It is a way for people to cope and deal with unresolved pain, even unresolved pain that they didn't know they had. So, okay, I got to move on. Um, uh, let's see. So so the point is, a lot of this negative thinking happens in our life because we never face the root issue. We don't want to feel our pain, and we don't want to confront those who are really responsible for it in our childhood. Again, I'm quoting from this article. So we transfer it to present circumstances, a perceived evil in the world that we are fighting, and we're going to make our pain right by fighting the evil out there, lashing out and exposing it, and this is why people are so susceptible and immovable to conspiracy theories. That's a quote from the, the article. Um, so, again, I hope I <clears throat> haven't belabored that point too much. I just want you to see that there's all this transference that's going on. We're fighting it out there instead of healing it in here. And that's generating this negative thinking. So what am I talking about? I'm not really talking about negative thinking. I am, but I'm talking about being aggressive in your positive thinking. So you got to understand these processes and you have to aggressively go after it. So if you can recognize I am a person who avoids pain and guess what? We're all people who avoid pain, but you've got this addiction to negativity. You may have some underlying trauma and you may need some help from a professional or a therapist or a trauma coach or somebody to help you work through that pain or you may need to start feeling your pain and journaling your pain and really facing it facing the actual pain and the people the specific people who are actually responsible for the pain that's getting aggressive about getting that negative thinking out of your life so that positive thinking becomes something that's more second nature and natural to you so that you're not fighting this battle inside of you between the negative self and the positive self quite as much because the negative self not only is trying to get that hit that it, uh, for, of norepinephrine and and just basically like an adrenaline rush off the negativity um, but you're also you're you're dealing with the issues so that you don't keep transferring those issues into the present moment and transferring them onto people who actually weren't responsible for your pain at all so let me give you some examples of negative thinking. Um, all or nothing thinking. All or nothing thinking. Black and white thinking. This really manifests itself as perfectionism. When a person holds themselves to a perfectionistic standard and therefore they nitpick 
um, anything that doesn't measure up to the perfect, or they just outright reject it, or they say to themselves, well, I can't do it perfectly, so I might as well not even try. This is the root of a lot of anxiety that people have, a lot of social anxiety. People have a lot of social anxiety because they're worried that if they're out there in social situations and they're not perfect, they're going to be hurt or something bad is going to happen. So all or nothing thinking, that perfectionist thinking, even though perfectionism sounds like it's positive and sounds really good, it's actually a form of negative thinking. Um, disqualifying the positives. You ever been like that? You ever met somebody like that where they, uh, you know, I was a bit like this sometimes in ministry. I, I could get, let's say, 10, 100 positive comments from people about, man, we really enjoyed the message today, Pastor, or, you know, that it was really a great service or whatever. And then I'd have one person come up and say, you know, I really hate that tie. Like, yeah, I, people seriously do that. Or come up and criticize my hair. Or, you know, Pastor, I like that message, but I didn't like how you said this. And I would go home and I would discount and disqualify all the positives that were said. I mean, even the person that said, I really like that message except for this part, <clears throat> they may be critiquing. Maybe they have that all or nothing and perfectionist thinking. But at the end of the day, they're critiquing a very small part of it. I'm discounting the rest of it that they said was good, right? Like I'm just focused on that. I go home and I have a horrible day. I can't believe they didn't like this. And, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said it. No, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said it this way. Discounting or disqualifying the positives. Um, negative self-labeling, negative self-labeling. Well, I'm just a piece of crap then, or I just, we're hurt and we want the world to know that we're hurt. This is a cheap move in an argument, by the way. Um, I don't know why I'm getting into this, but if, if you have someone in your life and you oftentimes try to speak about a certain action or a certain behavior or a certain circumstance that's creating conflict between you, and you present some accountability to that person, <clears throat> some people, their defense mechanism against accountability is to say, oh, well, then I'm just a terrible person. I'm just a big B, or I'm just this awful, horrible person then. Um, that's a maneuver to negative, negatively self-label, but also to avoid being accountable for what's actually going on in the situation. Again, most of this stuff is happening at a subconscious level. Uh, catastrophizing, making a mountain out of a molehill, taking a small thing, a small hurt, a small slight or infraction, and turning it into this huge thing. Uh, can you believe what she did, uh, how she ignored me when she came in to work today? And then you go to your other coworker. Can you, have you talked to so-and-so today? She seems like she's in a bad mood. I don't know what's, you know, her problem is. Um, see what I'm saying? Like, Oh, she didn't say hi to you or she was rude to you in the lunch line or whatever the case may be. Or he was rude to you in the lunch line, whatever the case may be. And you make this whole big catastrophe out of it. Pessimism, you know, kind of the Eeyore syndrome of, uh, well, you know, how are you doing? Well, not too good. Not, I used to get that a lot too as a pastor. Not too good, pastor. Yeah, uh, I've been, I've been fighting the devil all week long. You know, the devil's been fighting us. <laughs> what am I saying? I'm saying these are patterns of negative thinking and we have to aggressively, aggressively, aggressively go after them. We have to be purposeful. We have to be intentional 
about <clears throat> positive thinking and positive believing in this day and age. Otherwise, you know, like like I said earlier, if you caught the part earlier where I was talking about learning to be aggressive playing basketball, you got to go after that ball. You got to go after the rooting out and recognizing and catching and addressing the negative thinking while instilling and installing a more positive thought, a more positive attitude in your life. So what I would say is just start by noticing. Start by noticing how you do this. Start by noticing how is my pain speaking right now? When I'm being negative, how is my pain speaking right now? To whom is my pain speaking right now? Is the whom to whom my pain is speaking really the source of my pain? Is it really the source of my pain or is my pain spilling out (laughs) on that person or is it spilling out on that institution or is it just spilling out in kind of a general way? Um, And then challenging, like I remember working on this many years ago and it really was life changing for me. But, you know, I made a decision within myself. Now, I've not kept to that since 2020, for sure. But there for, you know, a number of years prior to 2020, um, I had this mindset, this aggressive, positive mentality mindset, that I was not going to let a negative thought in my mind go unchallenged. I was not going to let a negative thought in my mind go unchallenged. So I started noticing a lot of these negative thoughts and I started doing this kind of internal work where I was like, hey, like it's almost like you have an internal bully in some ways, especially if you do a lot of beating up on yourself. Uh, If you don't have a lot of confidence, if you don't have a lot of sense of self-worth, you can have this internal self-talk, these internal voices where you are bullying yourself, you're being a bully to yourself, or you don't even have to think of that part as a part of yourself. You could just think about these voices and this stuff that's going on inside me is bullying me inside my own mind, bullying me inside my own emotions, making a victim of me over and over again by my negative thinking. And so by saying, I'm not going to let a negative thought go unchallenged, you're learning to be aggressive and stand up to the backyard bully, stand up to the um, playground bully in your own head, that negative voice and negative thought in your own head. You're standing up and they say, I'm not going to take that. That's not true. That's not who I am. That's not who I want to become. That's not consistent with my values. That's not consistent with my dreams and my goals. And so, therefore, you're going to have to get out of the playground. You, this is my house, and you're going to have to get out of my house. <laughs> A little self-exorcism there in that sense. Um, Yeah, so uh, you begin to think about the negative thinking, uh, these negative patterns as the enemy, not the bedfellow. Now, I know this isn't popular in a lot of therapeutic in the therapeutic world, because in the therapeutic world, every part is to be valued and cherished. And that, that's, that's fine. That's a, that's a path. That's a path to healing. But also these are just neural pathways in my brain. And so there's nothing wrong with being destructive towards these really negative parts. Now, you don't want to, 
uh, ignore your wounds. You don't want to ignore your hurts. I hope you know what I'm saying there. But that voice inside your head that's bullying you and beating you up, that is not your pain. That is the thing that's leveraging your pain to keep you stuck inside your story to protect you from future pain so that you don't go out and get hurt like that again. See, a lot of this negative thinking, the positive intention behind it is to protect us from going out and getting hurt again. If society sucks, then I can justify my avoiding society when in reality I was hurt by people, not society in general. I was hurt by specific people within a society. And I was unable to deal with that, and I was unable to resolve it with those specific people. I was unable to get revenge against those specific people. So this negative thinking that says, you know, people suck, uh, they're just going to hurt you, you suck, nobody likes you, don't even try, don't put yourself out there. So you're protecting yourself from more social rejection by the negative thinking. The positive intention behind the negative thinking is I have to be protected from society, and as long as I remind myself what a klutz I am, what a dork I am, how I'm always second, how awkward I am, then I won't have, to, I will have an excuse not to put myself in that situation again so that I don't experience future pain. Same thing can be true with success. Uh, I put myself out there for success and I failed and failure hurts. Failure's painful. And so I'm going to come up with all kinds of reasons and excuses using negative thinking to say why I can't be successful in the future because I'm trying to protect myself from that pain. So what I'm, what I'm trying to help you understand with this message is that this type of negative thinking, these types of patterns is a very formidable force inside of us, a very formidable force inside of us that prevents us from experiencing and reaping the benefits of the power of positive thinking. So, and, and we'll never get there if we play patty cake with this stuff. We'll never get to reaping the benefits of positive thinking if we play patty cake with our negative thinking. If we make it our sort of companion Cherished companion, pain, pain is my companion. Now, to let go of this for a lot of people is so hard because it really is about instinctual survival. Uh, you've created such an identity out of your pain, such an identity out of your negative thinking, that to let that go is to really almost, really almost die. So, uh, but that's just ego, right? That's just the false self, the created self, the narrated self that's masquerading as you it is not real the real you it's masquerading as you so i promise you if you let that go <clears throat> you're not going to die but it can be that held on to that much in an instinctual level you may have to be willing to go back and feel some of your pain again you may have to get into some therapy or whatever but we got to root this stuff out you got to challenge those negative thoughts as they come up and you got to know specifically what positive thoughts do I want to put into my mind? What do I, what positive thoughts do I want to become part of my habitual thinking and really, you know, take some time with that. Remember you're building your life. You're building your character just to go back to, to the quote from James Allen and bring it around full circle. 
and I'm going to jump off here in a minute, but as a man thinketh, you know, from the book, as a being of intelligence, power, and love, and Lord of his own thoughts, man holds the key to every situation and contains within himself that transforming and regenerative agency by which he makes of himself what he wills. So the powers in you, the regenerative nature and agency is inside of you. And your thoughts will determine who you're becoming in the future. What you're thinking about today is going to determine your tomorrow. What you're thinking about tomorrow is going to determine your next month. What you're thinking about next month is going to determine your next year and so on. And so you, it, 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 why not be very aggressive about this? Why not be very deliberate about thinking about what do I will to become? What do I will to become? What do I want to become? What do I want to have in my life? If I want to have success, I've got to start thinking success thoughts. We all know this. If I want to be healthier, I've got to start thinking healthier thoughts. If I want to be happier, I've got to start thinking happier thoughts. And I will become that if I can repeatedly think that. But I really have to be aggressive about it. And for a lot of people, maybe this is the first time when you're hearing this, watching this video, watching this live, whatever, this is the first time that you're hearing about this to realize, oh, this is why I have negative thinking. And don't think like any addict, if you're addicted to negative thinking, that you won't go through withdrawals and that you won't have uh, some setbacks with this, that you won't have some relapses with this. That's okay. That's okay. If you beat up on yourself because you're addicted to negativity or you beat up on yourself because you had a relapse, that's just the addicted, the, the addicted brain getting its hit. You see what I'm saying? Like, oh, I'm so terrible because I'm addicted to negative thinking. That's a negative thought. That's I'm getting a hit off of it. <laughs> so I just wanted to come on. I wanted to expose this thing. I wanted to talk about this thing. I want to uh, go through some of your comments and hear some of your thoughts with this. Um, some of you are watching by YouTube that maybe would normally watch by Facebook. I appreciate that. Uh, the YouTube views are going to help me. Incidentally, um, I never really did this in ministry, but I am doing this now. I included a PayPal link to our ministry because our ministry is 100% online. I've been doing these videos for years, mostly for free. Uh, we're monetized on YouTube, but we don't get near enough views to really have that amount to much of anything at all right now. Um, so I put a link to our PayPal. I really, I, I'm going back to my day job next week. I've had some time off for medical leave. I don't want to get into all of that, but I'm going back to my full-time day job, uh, tomorrow. Uh, I can't believe it's tomorrow already. Um, but having this time off, it's, it's, I, you know, you've noticed I've created more content. I want to create more content. I want to be able to create community. Um, but I'm going to need some help financially to transition to that. So I've never been one to go out and ask for financial help, but I'm asking you that if you enjoy this, if this has been a blessing to you, if this has helped you in any way, shape, or form, if you go into, uh, I think, the description box, you'll find a link there to a PayPal site that is for our ministry and you know, even if you just, um, if you could give $5, if everybody watched this, if they just gave $5, that would be a huge help. 
Um, so it doesn't have to be a lot. Uh, any amount will help. Now, if you want to give a lot, we're going to put that money to good use. And of course, uh, we want to receive that as well. So I, I just wanted to remember to mention that I saw some of you that were on YouTube and I wanted to remember to ask if you could, um, just start supporting us, even if it's $5 a week or, uh, $30 a month, you know, or, $10,000 a month. That'd be awesome too if you have that kind of means. <laughs> um, yeah, again, Jeff Turner in the comments, um, put a link to, uh, the book As a Man Thinketh. Yeah, Jan says, uh, spot on Aaron, people are flipping out with all this hate and division. Daryl's commenting here. Daryl's love his stuff, man. Uh, being a positive thinker takes setting strong boundaries. Yes, absolutely. Negative. Negativity can be a addiction. Preach it, brother. Yeah. Um, ben says adopting steady positivity is like exercising. It's strenuous and it takes a lot of discipline to keep up with, but it's so damn good for you. Yeah, I like that. Again, Daryl says so many people use God as a way to give pain significance, which helps them stay stuck. Yeah, that's powerful comment there. Yeah, Karina brings up a good point. It's okay to give our pain purpose, but it doesn't define us. That's a good point. Good distinction there. All right. So lots of comments, lots of comments. Let's see. Um, Doug says forbidden to talk about how the self feels. So encouraged to take those feelings out on politicians who believe in love and equality, calling them a devil cabal. <laughs> Jeremy says, I positively believe you speak truth and understand what we are still going through. Um, Ben says we can beat up ourselves, um, burn ourselves up and bury ourselves in the pursuit of perfectionism. It really, um, takes a lot out of life appeasing legalism. So anyway, lots of comments. Um, I don't know if anybody wants to, you, you know, you can read them. I appreciate everybody that's commented. Um, like subscribe. If you haven't go to my YouTube channel, I'm almost to 4,000 subscribers want to try to get there, just have a few more to get. So if you haven't uh, joined uh, my YouTube channel yet, please go out, like, and subscribe. Again, if it's in your heart, this has helped you. If you can make a donation, that's really going to help us, um, and it's going to help me be able to do more stuff like this. So anyway, I appreciate everybody. Uh, love all of you. Thank you for spending this time with me on Sunday morning. Thank you for watching the replay, and uh, namaste.